Without further ado, we are so delighted that we have Keith Foster here. Keith works uh, with Aberley, Waverley, <laughs> Waverley Abbey College uh, over in England. Um, and uh, there's a few of us in the room who are currently partaking in the chaplaincy program on their course or the for the whole year and um, we're excited about that the first session was absolutely fantastic it's great to be in a room or in a in a zoom with uh, so many like-minded people and uh, learn so much and we're so excited about the, the tools and the equipment and the stuff that we're going to get uh, through keith and the ministry that he delivers but keith we're delighted to have you uh, come and um, we'll pray for you is that okay Yeah, God, we just uh, thank you for Keith. God, we want to thank you for what he brings and what he carries. And God, we just pray, God, that uh, for a real blessing to be poured upon him. God, we thank you for the, the many lives that he's, ha- he's impacted, God, through the ministry. And God, I pray that today, God, that people will have an open heart to receive the pure gold, God, that he has for everyone here. So God, yeah, we just thank you for him. And we pray that you protect them and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Hi, everybody. It's really good to see you. So it's my first time ever in, in Ireland. came yesterday on the, on the plane. It's what an amazing place. Went around Belfast City yesterday. So it was fantastic. And I understood everybody perfectly. I, I, mainly. I'm not, I don't think they understood a word I said, but that was fine. But there you go. I've been, but I had a conversion experience this uh, today. I've had a, a major conversion experience. I love Tato crisps now. <laughs> so, absolutely. Tato crisps are forever. Okay, Tato and Jesus is brilliant. I think so. So, yep, I mean, basically that's me. Uh, that's my name, Keith Foster. Yes, I know so those of you who are really smart will realise that I went to Gloucester. I've heard all of the nursery rhymes as well. But don't worry about it. That's fine. Now, it's just so good to be here. So just a little bit, really, really basically. Um, so I, I'm, I'm married to Leslie. We've been married for 40 years. Um, I've got two older girls, um, 35, 32, uh, two grandkids. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I came to Jesus at 16. I wasn't in a, a Christian faith-based household. They love me. Um, but my uncle used to tell me about Jesus when I went to his house every summer for two weeks, basically. My mum wanted to get rid of me. For two weeks every summer. I don't know why. Some of you, some students here as well, might know the reason. (laughs) But I just, well, I think what I I saw in in my Uncle Alan is I saw it before I kind of heard it. I saw Jesus. And uh, I'm here today, yes, to talk about a course, but you know, that sounds really dull. You know, when I was a pastor, it's fine. People say, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. I go, oh, that's interesting. What do you do? When I say, oh, yeah, I'm head of a theological faculty at a Bible college, they go, okay, next. Yeah, that's not so exciting, is it, really? But we're here to equip God's people for works of service. For me, if this doesn't work tomorrow, or work literally the minute we leave this building, we've wasted our time. I, don't think, I think Jesus was intentional with every single thing that he taught. And if, if whatever, we, whatever we do, yes, it might involve a course... I don't know, but it's got, to be, it's got to change lives. But I'm here to talk about, not a course that Waverly Abbey are doing, I will do that. But we're really creating a movement. Because I don't know about you, but I think, I don't want to give the pandemic any more airtime because we're sick to death of that. But the fact of the matter is, I think it really exposed a lot of people and a lot of situations and a lot of families who really had been busying around in life and never really had time to stop. And all of a sudden, we were all forced to think an awful lot more than probably we were comfortable with, really, if I'm honest. And that started to bring out all the issues in life and things like this. And even if we've been Christian since we were an egg, we still would have had issues. You know, statistics say that you know, apparently four out of six of us uh, will, have, will have had or are having or will have in the future some sort of mental health issue. We've all got mental health. There's a difference between mental health and mental illness. We need to know that. But uh, those who study these things say that four out of six of us will have had, are having, or will have some sort of mental health, either mini-crisis or maybe something more significant. Now, I know that 90% of statistics are inaccurate. I I, I will drop that in if you look seriously bored. Those one-liners. But what I can tell you, whatever, whatever actually 
is true about those statistics. 100% of me crashed and burned two and a half years ago. Fact. 100% of me. And I'm in a room of people I don't know. I know one or two students. It was beautiful to see you again. That have been on the course and things. But I was a pastor of a church. Okay, I, I knew God, right? I had the answers. People came to me, okay? And two and a half years ago, I just was in a black hole. Me and my wife would be married 37 years. It wasn't great. We went to a six-month period where, to be honest, I think she could have given me away with a box of Weetabix or Tato's, maybe. <laughs> Vice versa. And you know what? I, I just fell into this space where I didn't, want to be, I didn't want to be or work with Christians anymore. Is that all right? I don't want to spoil the party, by the way. Don't invite me to your parties. It's not crazy. I just didn't want to do that. And I'd come out of pastoral ministry. That, that was a high. That was in the Midlands. I'd been a teaching pastor for 12 years. And it was amazing work. Really hard. I was six foot with blonde hair when I started, and I came out like this. <laughs> but, they, but, you know, I just got into this hole. And the thing was, remember Leslie saying to me, bless her, she's beautiful. Well, maybe we just need to get some counselling or something. Maybe we need to ring. Do you know, I'm a guy. I ain't going to ring anybody. Now, maybe you are. Maybe you're fine and it's all good. But do you know, something, I think there's something about guys, we just don't want to do it. If she'd have said to me, why don't you fly around the block of our housing area three times, I'd have rather have done that than rang the counsellor. And I just, I was in bed for four weeks. I just didn't want to do this. And I said, Lord, I definitely don't want to work in a Christian environment anymore. Ha ha, here we go. And, uh, but what I needed wasn't someone uh, distant. I needed, do you know what I needed? Was, now I know. I needed a chaplain. I needed someone that I was bumping into every day. Now, you might not call yourself a chaplain because you might have a, an image of someone with a dog collar and, and, and sort of, you know, a, a former vicar or something like that. And there are those who would do that. It's fantastic work. I'm talking about everyday people who are Jesus in their environment. And you know who you are. You're already doing it. But the, the church sometimes doesn't label what you do, and so it doesn't know what to do with that sort of gifting. You know, so often when we're in churches, what it's about, it's great if, you, if you're no good with kids or youth work, you can't sing, you're not in the band, you can't preach or whatever, what are you going to do? If we, can't inter, if we can't actually come and, inter, you know, actually interact with the church program... How useful are we? Do you know, I actually set a question once to some students on a different course, Wendy. How about this for a question? Are people who cannot attend the church program really so useless to the kingdom of God? That's a good question, isn't it? Are people who can't attend the church program and contribute really so useless to the kingdom of God? Discuss. The answer's no, by the way. You're amazing. He wants to use it. So what we did was we wrote a course. I wanted to capture all that over 20 years of being missional and making disciples, viral disciples. I wanted to capture that. So we actually put, put a course together. Because, you know, we, I realized when I came out of the, came out of the pandemic that there was, a, there was a kind of social, there was an economic, and there was a spiritual crisis going on. And people didn't know what to do. And, you know, and I was bumping into all sorts of people in, in, in that way. And I probably, I might not even use a lot of these slides. I don't know. Do I? I'm not going to bore you with lots. But that's kind of what I came up with. But you see, the thing was, when I was really praying about this, I really felt the Holy Spirit himself say, Keith, it's not just the course that is needed in response to what's happening in, 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 you know, in our communities. It's a movement. Nothing short of a movement. You see, I think Jesus, he didn't write a course. He, he created a movement of people who would be viral disciples who would make a difference. And so, I'm sorry I mentioned pandemic again, but I was amazed that if you had an R rate of one, then apparently that just grew and grew and grew. We all multiplied and infected one person. Within a few weeks, the whole world shut down. Well, I just had a vision that God gave me. That Imagine if we all had a J rate of one, a Jesus rate of one. We all impacted just one person. Just do the maths. You don't have to change your whole university class or your workplace. Just one person has just got to know that Jesus loves them and makes a difference, right? And so I just really felt a burden by the God saying, Keith, I want you to really look at creating a movement, but you're going to have to go back to college again. <laughs> and you know, this morning I was blown away by those sessions. I don't know about you, but you know that you know, I was just, you know, 
invoked and provoked to that prayer space, but also beautiful teaching. Isn't it great? You know, Charlotte just lives those pages and flows through those pages. And we were reminded of that beautiful song at the end, oh, how he loves us. And I feel so good about that. But then I go, well, what about the guy and the girl out there who are not here? And the, I hate to say this, as beautiful as it is and as expansive as this might become, most people aren't planning to come here anytime soon, ever. Get over it. It's true. It's seriously true. No matter if, even if you put my name on the bill, that'll be half the crowd right away. It doesn't matter how many celebrities, it doesn't matter how many great in-tribe speakers we get. And that's, that's all been amazing. I love all this. This is what I do, right? There's people out there. I remember I was, I, 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 joined, I left school, I joined the military, but I left in mid-20s, and then I, I was in senior management in industry. I, I, I got paid to be a Christian from the age of 40. It's good if you can get it. I became a pastor at 40 years old. You're probably looking at me, how old is he? 150. I won't let you know that. I'm 60. Don't worry. I know. Don't say anything. Don't look it. Feel the worse. <laughs> but, you know, I remember being in industry with, with managing directors and finance directors, regular project managers and that, who needed hope. And, and I needed equipping to do that, and, and I would have loved that. And so what I, all of that experience and all of that stuff has been poured into what we want to do, and this is what we're trying to do there, is to meet the ever-changing, increasing need to identify, train, and mobilize thousands. How far have we got? The course has been going about 18 months. We've trained about 140. That's all right. That's not bad. But you see, I think, I don't know why you're here. I'm really glad you are. But I think something nudges and you're saying, I just feel that I need to scratch an itch where I am. And I'm so amazed at the people that are coming to our courses. You know, so often we think chaplain is great, the, the usual places, and there are, it's wonderful. You know, I've got a couple who just started the course. They, they live on a narrowboat, the narrowboat chaplains. They sail up and down canals just chaplain in the narrowboat community. How cool is that? I've got someone else, another couple who've just come out of serving at Beachy Head. I don't know if you know anything about that, but Beachy Head is the, sorry, sorry to say this, it's the suicide capital of the UK, if, if arguably the world. But they've already intervened in 550 attempts this year. And they're not sat in these places all day. I love church. It's God's great idea. Through the church, Ephesians 3. The gospel is made known. We know the value. You can't go around calling Christ's bride ugly. It's not cool. But the fact of the matter is, I'm absolutely certain, Jesus said, yes, you start in Jerusalem, but you've got to go into Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world as well. And he's not going to use your paid pastor to do all that because your friends already like you. It's a bit of a clue. I used to say when I was a pastor, you know, people used to say to me, Keith, I'm trying to get people to come to church. I'm trying to get my friend at work to come to church. I say, Why? They might not like me. They really like you. Bring them to Jesus. They'll go to church. That's fine. Do you need some help? It's not about being a big mouth evangelist, by the way. This isn't an evangelist call. You're beautifully you. And God will put you in that shape and put people around you. And so I, this is a call. If you, hear, if you forget everything today, you forget my name. There's a call on our lives to be in that space and make a difference. And whether it's paid or not paid or whatever it is, just that's God's job. Don't worry too much at that. It's about being equipped so you can be better at what you do. And what I, I want to be better at what I do. And that's the key thing. So I'm just here to say, isn't it great to celebrate this morning that we can really wrestle with God and pray for those we love? It's beautiful. I'm so pleased. My girls in their 30s love Jesus. Remember them sat on that step and me saying, whatever you do, this is the gold following Christ. It's hard, isn't it, as a parent? But you see, it's about God using us, me and you. Ordinary people. And Jesus created a movement. That's what he did. And you know, it's like this is nothing new, is it, really? But the trouble is, you know, this, 
This concept of doing this would have been alien to the early church for, for at least the first 300 years. Because it was illegal to meet like this. So it wasn't until the 4th century, early 4th century, 315 about, where actually Constantine, apparently the first Roman emperor to become a Christian, who knows, but it, whatever happened there in his heart, he said, it's okay, you can come out and you can have a building. And ever since the early 4th century, we had an address and people could come to us instead. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> and we can come and feel great and loved and all that, and that is so important, by the way. How can we love others if we don't love ourselves? But, you know, I honestly just, I think we've just got to get back to being a movement again. And it might be that you've got a J rate of one, and that's beautiful. But what we're trying to do at Waverley Abbey, what we've done is we've put together something. And I want it to be international, so it had to be online. I'm sorry about that, but it, do you know what? It works. And this week I had 50 more people start. New Zealand, Mexico, USA. All on these little, beautiful little windows, all sharing their stories. I'm, I'm a chaplain in a hospital, and I just want to see the God's kingdom come on that ward. I'm a chaplain in a children's and, and women's hospital where children are dying, and, I'm, and I, I have to go to the, the services with, it, with the parents who are grieving, and I just want to say the right thing. I'm here to learn. I, I'm a chaplain in a suicide prevention project. I'm a chaplain in the city centre. I'm a chaplain in a prison where people just feel completely useless and forgotten. And I just want to say that, you know, God pays the ransom. He pays the price. I just, I just need help. I need a toolbox. And I say, what we're going to do, you might remember this when, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a Swiss, we're going to give you a Swiss army knife. You're going to be a Swiss army knife for the king. So I could stand here. That would be good, wouldn't it? Head of theology, head of applied theology faculty. That sounds posh. And give you lots of long words. Or I could actually say it in basic England which is what I prefer, because if it doesn't lead to this, I'm going home. And I suggest you should as well, because all it becomes is a self-congratulatory show. And I don't want any part of that. I've got to be honest. I'm tired of that. And it's, it's beautiful to see people who suddenly this light goes and they go, wow, do you know what? I am useful to the kingdom of God. And I'm not in, I can't help in the church program because I'm putting my kids to bed on the Bible study tonight. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm caring for my elderly parents. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing, I'm busy. I've just got a job which tears, tears me apart. But I can be useful where God has put me right now, every day, 24-7. And the relief is amazing. And I just love that when they come to us. And the solution is in this room. Two of my favorite verses there, Genesis 12. Acts chapter 8. God tells Abraham the story, doesn't he? This is what's going to happen. You're going to be a blessing to all nations and you're going to do this. I'm going to use you. Fantastic. You're, I'm going to bless you. Don't we love the blessing? Raise the hands. I love all that, by the way. Amazing. But that right there in the verse 4, the first part, so Abraham went. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Someone's got to go. Haven't they? Are you glad about the person who first told you about Jesus? Aren't you grateful? Just think right now when you first heard that. And your heart leapt. And Philip, he's an evangelist. He's used to the big crowd. He could, he could give up the small jobs, couldn't he? And after a big evangelistic event, the angel of the Lord appears to Philip. And he says, I want you to go down to that road that leads to Gaza. 60-mile walk, by the way. Not easy. He didn't tell him what's going to happen next. He said, I just want you to do that. You see, and, he, and, he, and it says there, in, right at the beginning of 27a, so Philip started out. You know, it's about starting out. But I haven't got all the answers. I haven't got my theology degree. Well, so what? You know, it's overrated. I've got to be honest. Don't tell the Bible college that I work at. But you know what? I haven't got a degree, so I can't, do, I can't do this. I can't, you know. If you want the biggest list of excuses, look at Exodus 3 onwards when Moses is given the task to get the people. three chapters of excuses. Why? And he ends up with what he really meant, send someone else. It's great. Whew. God didn't buy it. I love it. He's so persistent, isn't he? It's annoying. When I said I don't want to work with Christians anymore, he then called me. My friend who was the principal called me and said, Keith, what are you doing now? I said, I'm doing nothing. He says, you need to come to the college. I've got something I want you to do. I said, oh, I don't. I said, I'll come to the college. I'll walk round. And that was it. Fatal mistake. But you see, Philip went. And he didn't know what was going to happen next. But you see, the currency of the kingdom is obedience. 
It's the only currency that God's, God kind of takes is obedience. You know, that's why Jesus told parables about obedience. Like, you know, uh, there was, uh, the, the one who ever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is obedient. He's like someone who built his house on a rock. And, and then when everything came, life happened, just like it does for everyone else out there. It's, all, it's tragic for Christians as well. It's difficult. Then they were able to stand. And when we hear that parable, we say, well, who's the rock? What's the rock? And we say, oh, the rock's Jesus. No, it isn't. It's obedience. Just think about it. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a person. It's just... And so the currency of obedience. And so it's just about starting out. I get people on the course who say, I've not done any study for millions of years. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Is there essays involved? Oh, and it's almost like we get paralyzed in, in this sort of academic world. Please, that is not the center of this course at all. Yes, yeah, sure. You'll get a certificate in contemporary chaplaincy. That's the course I'm doing. Just jump on the website and things like that. We're doing a second year, and you might get a grad diploma if you want to do that as well. You could do a master's degree if you want. We like all that. It's amazing. If it changes lives, if it changes who we are, if it doesn't, then just go and study something else. I mean, why, why, why would you do that? Just go and study you know, architecture. It's amazing. That is, I think. I've never studied it. But you see, this is what we do. I love that little picture, by the way. You see, we're just starting out, aren't we? And I just wanted to kind of give you a glimpse of the sort of things that we... I'm going to ask, ask uh, Wendy's... I think you did agree, didn't you? I saw you today. You said you'd speak for five minutes on this one in a minute. You'll be fine, Wendy. Now, I'd love to meet... This is the first time I've met Wendy in, in, the, in the flesh because she was on my little Zoom. I have to do that and put you in a little square. But you see, see, this is... It's really about life-changing tools for what we're doing. And so that's what we're trying to do here. And you see, Philip sets out. I want to, I want to kind of look into this story a little bit. Because if Acts 8, 26 to 40 is about Philip going to see the Ethiopian. And it starts by an angel of the Lord saying to Philip, I want you to go down that road that leads to Gaza. And it's a 60-mile walk. He doesn't tell him anything else. I don't know about you, but I'd be saying, what's going to happen when I get there? How long am I going to be there? Is there going to be potatoes? <laughs> but he doesn't, he's, and Philip went. He just says, and Philip went. That's what Luke says. And Philip went. Currency of the kingdom is obedience. I just know I should be here. I don't know why. But so many students say to me, I just know I've got to do this course. I feel complete imposter syndrome. There's someone with an MA. There's someone who's a pastor. There's someone... Most people just have got imposter syndrome. They're more experienced. They're more studious. But Philip went. And I call this chasing the chariots. It's absolutely beautiful. Because Philip went, and when he goes down, he gets to the place where God wants him to be. What's beautiful about this is that all of a sudden the Lord says, right, I want you to run, run alongside that chariot. There's probably a few chariots. And so... He's a runner. I'm a runner, by the way. I, I love it. I love running. It's great. It's good for my mental health as well, but it's just great. I'll talk about that in a minute. So Philip runs alongside the chariot, and the guy's reading Isaiah 51 and 53. And how much more of a clue do you need if this might be the person God wants you to speak to? He's reading it out loud. <laughs> Luke tells us. He even gives us a clue. The detail that Charlotte was talking about. He's reading it out loud. And you know what? Sometimes we're ready with all our information to tip a truck onto some poor soul. You need it's the blood of a lamb and you need Jesus now. It's really great to ask a question. And Philip says to the Ethiopian, you probably know, do you understand what you're reading? Question. That's beautiful. How often would Jesus say to the person who had been you know, crippled for 38 years, lame for 38 years, what do you want me to do for you? It is Jesus, right? Of course he knows, right? Come on, get up to speed. How many times a question, you see, allows the individual to engage with that space? Because we don't like to think. Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, how can I unless someone, ooh, wonder that'll be, uh, someone explains it to me. And Luke tells us that Philip got in there and then the guy was baptized. Philip disappeared on his way, chasing the chariots. And it's, 
These are kind of some of the tools we look at. And so I'm a, I mentioned running earlier on. So when I became a pastor, I was a community pastor to start with on a really difficult estate in the south of England. And uh, it was tough. I was also like a, a chaplain in the local comprehensive secondary school. It wasn't a faith school, but it was amazing. And then as I moved to the Midlands in normal pastoral ministry, I didn't want to lose touch with the real world. You can get sucked into the Christian bubble. It's really easy. You know, John Stott talks about rabbit hole Christians who, who run from one meeting to the next meeting, never engaging with the world if you're clever. So I, I intentionally in the Midlands became a, a joined a, a running club, a gym, and, and the Lord opened up for me to be a chaplain. I'm in a running club now down the south of England. I live near Southampton, and I'm a chaplain of a running club. There's 200 runners in the running club. And I just remember, I was just crazy. And I remember I thought, well, because I'd played football till I was 51. Not bad, eh? Okay. But after that, it used to take me a year to get over every game. <laughs> so I thought, I can't do it anymore. So I'm going to have to do something physical because I just need to do that. And so I thought, running, how hard can it be? This is going to be okay. And so I went to my first, this was when I was in the, in the Midlands, when I started running. And I went to my first running club. And there was the poster on the wall. I says, and I went there in all the wrong gear. And they were all there and they had all the... Everything watches a lot. It's unbelievable. I've got it all now. <laughs> and um, I'm like, oh, I'm here for the running club. And I said, yeah. said oh, like new, new flesh. It was great. Oh, brilliant. They says, oh, great. So how far do you run? I said, well, I don't really. I'm a, I'm a football. I was a footballer. And I went, oh, cool. You know. Um, so I thought, oh, brilliant. Thanks. Welcome anyway. Um, so I said, how far do you run? They said, 10 kilometers. I went, 10 kilometers. Uh, <laughs> what? I thought it would be like just a bit round the corner. It's 10 kilometres. Anyway, they all went in sort of different timed groups, you know, from the very, very, very slow to the super speedy. And it was asking, who wants Keith in their group? Well, forget it. No one wanted me in their group. It was like being picked last at school. Brilliant. So it started quite well. But anyway, so I went out for this run. I was last by literally a country mile. Even the older ladies got sick to death of just waiting for me on the hills. And um, so I just, I was exhausted. And I felt God was saying, Keith, this is a group I want, you to, I want you to immerse in. We call it incarnational, don't we? Incarnational stuff. Get in there. And I remember going home saying, God, I did some of that you know, provoking prayer we heard about this morning. I'm not the brightest person on the planet, but I know if I'm going to share, you've got to be able to breathe. So I'm not sure he got this right. And I just felt God in his beautiful way saying, Keith, if you share or just care, just be that presence, I'll give you the breath to run. And he did. And before long, I was there and moving at the groups and doing half marathons and all sorts. And that's just God doing stuff. So I've joined another club down south, but it's, you know, this whole chaplaincy thing. I've joined a club near Southampton. There's about 200 runners. And I go on a Thursday night and we do about 10K different speed groups again and um, I tend to move up and down the groups just to get to mix with people and uh, this is just how this chasing the chariots work it's about obedience I didn't know what was happening join that running club go to next to that chariot I'm not bothered what the next question is because God is really good he's got previous he's really clever at this and so I must remember just going there and just one quick story, and I just want to kind of then go into some of the, some of the ology that we do on the course, just to uh, give you an insight into part of the tools that we, we provide for our chaplains, because it's really practical. And um, I've just been doing this in the club, actually, about, in, the, in the course about chasing the chariots, about how we are to be incarnate and how we are to be listening to God and the currency of the kingdom's obedience. And what's the Lord's, what's your chariot? What are the chariots God's asking you to chase? What are the things that the Lord's asking you, people he's asking to get alongside and actually just listen? Maybe they're reading stuff. Maybe they're just watching stuff. Maybe you can ask them a question. And I remember I was at the running club one night. I really particularly prayed, Lord, I really want you to show me someone or whatever. And typically on a 10-kilometer run, you might run with five people over an hour for 10 minutes each. You know, you just sort of do this. Some of you are runners. Any runners in here? Oh, beautiful. Loving it already. Yeah. You might run with that. And um, so five people or so. And um, this guy, one night, was running. He started to run. I'd never met him before. 
and uh, we, we was running out of the front there. He was called Matt, and um, I just said, how are you doing, Matt? Never met him before. And he said, uh, actually, I'm not doing very well. And I went, oh, right. And he says, oh, I've just, yeah, it's not been good recently. And we just chatted normal. It's the first time I'd met him, okay? So it wasn't like, oh, well, you need Jesus to sort your life. <laughs> okay, like crank. Um, that might happen, by the way, but, you know, often not. And I just remember just gently chatting. And he, I said, what do you do? He told me what he did. He was a senior purchasing manager for a big company. And, you know, he said, what, he said, what do you do? I said, oh, I work at this theological college. I said, you know, and he goes, oh, wow, that sounds a bit intense. I'm like, yeah. Nah, it's in a building, actually, but we're not intense. But, but, thank you. <laughs> but anyway, next day I messaged him because he was on the running, running club social group. I said, hey, man, just to say I'm thinking of today, I hope you're all right. And he goes, cheers, great, thumbs up, typical guy, brilliant, okay. And then uh, I saw him the next week and he said, I said to him, we should go out for a beer sometime. If you don't drink, by the way, don't, don't get offended. It's just, we should go out, coffee, beer, whatever, you know. And he said, great. And then about three weeks later, we decided to go out one evening, me and Matt. And um, we had a couple of beers, and he said to me, can I just say something to you? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, I wasn't exactly truthful with you when you first met me. I said, what do you mean, Matt? And he said, uh, you asked me if I was all right. I said, yeah, I know. And he said, I said, well, I'd had quite a bad day. I said, yeah, I remember he said, well, actually, it was worse than that. He said, I, I, I wanted to I end from work that night. I wanted to drive off the road and kill myself. He says, I didn't want to come to club. There's things going on in my home. And I came. And it was a, that just said to me that someone cares. And I was just... And then we just started talking... And I talked about how I met the God who cares for me first. And he was just stuck in this place of glute. That dialogue's ongoing, by the way. But it's beautiful. And I, I remember then the chair of the club, he told me two weeks later, and he said, uh, oh, th thanks for being our well-being person. Sometimes I use different language, you know, in these places. but don't understand chaplaincy. It's a bit in-house. He said, to let you know, we've had three suicides in the running club over the last two years. Because a lot of people run for mental health reasons as well, and do other fitness. And I've since met a lot of people like who are just on the edges, and, and, and I just, the Lord has said, that chariot. Well, all I'm trying to say here, is very badly probably, is that you are in God's place, and maybe there's another place he wants to put you in. But what well, I'd love to be part of that. I want to give a toolkit to say, what do we say when someone says, like Matt often says to me, can I ask you a question? <laughs> you must say that at least twice every time we go out now. It's brilliant. Can I ask you a question? He says, I, I, might, I think I might be a bit of an atheist, he says, because if there was a God, um, how, you know, how come this happens to various people? The usual questions, you know. And um, I love doing the apologetics at Bible college, so it's a perfect question. I love it, really. I said, I don't think you're an atheist, Matt. I, says, Cause, I said, I think you're, what you're questioning is the character of God. What you're saying is, let's assume God exists. Why does he allow that to happen? So I said, that's not an atheist question. I said, that's someone who's questioning the character of God. That's different. That's all right. You can question his character. He might have a few for you. But that's okay. Do you want to chat? We have a great time. It's really brilliant. And so this is what it's about. Well, it's about putting people in the places. Here we go. Look, this is really cranked up now, isn't it? You recognize this, don't you, Andrew? Oh, gosh. Ecclesiology eh? mission, what's going on? Do you know, this is a game changer. Sorry, we've only got another two hours of this. You all right with that? <laughs> no, the court, I think it's quarter to three. Don't worry. You'll be fine. They'll let you out. There's a, there's a sort of electronic lock on the doors. You can't push it open until quarter to three. Sorry. <laughs> It's fantastic. I love people's look when you put something like this. Ecclesiology, how we do church. This is a game changer. When I was a pastor, I was in a church where everything was organized by the church. Basically, the God, God was the God of the church program, right? That's where he lived. 
If we don't invent it, he's not in it, okay? I get it. Okay, it's not really true, though, by the way. Okay. And so the thing is, if, if the church owns the mission, basically we have our shape of church, our way of doing things, our projects and that, and the mission is, that's, the mission is shaped by what we do. And this whole subject is called Missio Dei. And some of you might know that's Latin for the mission of God. And what's so releasing from our students, and when is it going to come in a minute? I can't wait. What's so releasing for our students is when we realize that we don't have to create the event. Who created the event in Acts chapter 8? Yeah, God created the event. And Philip just showed up and the currency of the kingdom was what? <laughs> Obedience, absolutely spot on. And is it a fluke? No, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, the first recorded Gentile convert in the New Testament, Cornelius, God speaks to him. He gets it straight away. Yes, Lord. He's God-fearing. He speaks to Peter, who represents the church, who's in a total trance. That's unusual for the church, isn't it? (laughs) He has to speak to Peter, the church, three times to get the gig. Speaks to Cornelius, this godless heathen centurion who goes, yeah, what? You need to see someone I've prepped. He's hard work, Cornelius, but I'll, I'll speak to him a lot until he gets it, don't worry. And, you know, Peter gets dragged to Cornelius' house, Acts chapter 10, read it in your own leisure, and starts off amazingly well. The worst possible opening line of friendship. You know, I shouldn't really be mixing with you, don't you? <laughs> Beautiful line. Don't ever use that ever. It's wrong. <laughs> he was absolutely technically brilliantly right, was Peter. as a absolutely about you with a Gentile. But that wasn't great. So you see, if God can use Peter in that situation, and basically the, the whole household, wow. Peter then goes back and has to tell the church what happened. He's been naughty, going to Cornelius' house. So he, t- he tells them the results of his research project. At the end of Acts 11, the church amazingly says, wow. God's even granted the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles as well. Catch on. It's only Acts 11. I mean, so that's beautiful. So this is what it's about. You see, if, if, if we own the mission, then Peter's not getting off his roof. Because you shouldn't mix with them sort of people. See, when God owns the mission, it's a bit scary. And we can't plan it. And you're really useful to the kingdom of God wherever you are because that's God's mission for you. And our job is to equip you for works of service in your context, wherever that is and wherever it will be in the future. Brilliant. And so, the other way around, you see, is if God is already at work in the heart of the Ethiopian or is already at work in the heart of Cornelius, he's a Trinitarian God of mission. Basically, that, shapes, that, that changes the shape of mission to God's shape. And then the church changes its shape to match what God's already doing. Missio Dei is about the church joining in with, God, with what God is already doing in the community. God's at work out there with people who are never going to come in here. God's at work with people in your workplace, in your school, in your staff room, in your work, everywhere. Doctor's surgery, everything. Yes, they'll come here eventually to be shaped into disciples. But this isn't the conversion center of the world. And this is what it's about. And so this change, can you see what a game changer this is? Now, you see, I can talk ology. Okay, if, if our Trinitarian theology is correct, we see God as a God of mission, not someone who's kind of just said, you know, I want you to do the mission now, church. You see, if we have an economic view of the Trinity, can I just say that? Where the Father sends the Son, and the Father, Son sends the Spirit, and the Spirit sends the church, you can see the hierarchy, can't you? So we're on our own just asking God, to, would you bless this project? Would you bless this toddler group? Would you bless this singing? Well, how about if God's already at work with your neighbours? When we lived in Coventry, Leslie and I started a neighbours group. We just sent out a global email. You know, you know the community groups you get on the, uh, on the social media page? Saying we're praying for the street if anyone wants to join us. There's loads of them. And not all Christians at all, actually. It's amazing. Because God's already at work. See, having an understanding that he's at work, this is just one of the tools that we equip our chaplains with out of 50, it changes the way we turn up on a Monday morning. Because the question then becomes, what are you doing, Lord? I want to know. Who's reading Isaiah? Who's really needing a word of friendship or comfort? Who's really not feeling great? Well, I need to be able to listen. You notice how God has given us two ears and one mouth. 
I think that's a really broad tip from the Creator to listen. But anyway, enough of that. In order for you to have a bit of a clue as to what it might look like on a Monday morning, Wendy, come here. You'll be, she's amazing. Give Wendy a round of applause, please. So my question, just, just five minutes, whatever. My question is, how didn't... We taught Missy O'Day when you was on the course, Wendy. And I'll let you tell, tell everyone your context and, and what Missy O'Day has done. What an understanding of that tool in your toolkit has done. Thank you. Uh, hello. Uh, I'm Wendy Morton. And uh, when I started the chaplaincy course, I was already a volunteer chaplain in my local hospital in Causeway in Corain. And I'm still there and loving it. Um, so um, when I was starting, look, I'm going to be very, very honest. I did not have a clue what I was doing. And maybe some of the patients would still think that's the case. But sure, we turn up. And uh, so I joined and completed the um, contemporary chaplaincy course. Um, can I just backtrack slightly? I am, when I started uh, the uh, volunteer chaplain, I was 66. So, in fairness, um, I have to be honest, I faffed around all my life. And in the end, the Lord made it clear where he wanted me to go. And I had waited all those years for the works that he had prepared in advance for me to do. And I'd completed a course at church. And one day I was driving along and I said to the Lord, well, what was that for? Because they were pretty two tough, two tough years. And I thought, must be something at the end of that. And the word chaplain came across my forehead. And I said, but I can't be a chaplain because I'm not an ordained minister. And I came home and I googled chaplaincy in Northern Ireland and the rest is history. Um, so as Keith has already mentioned, I'm just an ordinary person, a lay person, and I work as part of an inter-church team. Uh, one uh, volunteer Catholic sister and a Catholic priest, Church of Ireland rector and a Presbyterian deaconess. So that's my context. Um, now, when I joined the team, it was a wee bit of a, a strange experience for them that there was a lay person coming to join and I didn't have the piece of white plastic <laughs> at my neck. But anyway, we've got over that and, <laughs> and they have accepted that. So, going back to the original question, I volunteer Tuesdays and Fridays, and I'm working with a very transient population. As you can understand, I'm maybe only seeing a patient once, twice, three times. Very few patients would be long-term. Um, so I am visiting patients in all wards, and including and just recently, the wonderful privilege of going into the mental health unit in the local hospital. Chaplains haven't been in there until now. Uh, that is absolutely brilliant, and, but very difficult. So I, um, you know, when I went there, I'd be very honest, you know, I thought I was going to save every patient I met, and I was going to come along, and I was going to tell them about my Jesus, and say, oh, they're going to be Christians before I leave the ward. Well, it just hasn't been quite like that. But um, I step out now on a Tuesday morning and I just say to the Lord, you're here. I'm putting myself in your hands. I'm working in partnership with you. And you know, it lifts the burden. I'm no longer the Messiah in Causeway Hospital. It's big news to me, but I'm no longer the Messiah. I don't have the Messiah complex anymore. I go alongside them, and you know all I do is I love them. If you love people well, you'll get, they'll come to the kingdom. If you love them well, 
and no judgment. And as Charlotte spoke so well this morning, wasn't it wonderful? And she said, you know, people in Northern Ireland have been scared. Been scared into the kingdom. They're built on fear. I sat with a wee man yesterday. I held his hand to 82. He had just got news he had stomach cancer. And he looked at me and he said, Wendy, I haven't done anybody any harm in my life. And you talk about a vulnerable soul. I couldn't get him out of my mind last night, you know. And I just thought, what's Jesus saying to Tommy? Jesus would have just scooped him up, wouldn't he? And hugged him. That's what I did. I hugged him and I said, we love you. And more importantly, Jesus loves you. So it's Jesus' mission. It's not our mission. And um, if you want, uh, we're all chaplains. Look, every day of the week, we're all chaplains. But I just am in a particular context, one of the very traditional contexts that you'll find chaplains. Uh, they're very often, you know, I, that's one of the things I discovered when I joined the course. I couldn't believe where you find chaplains. Airports my goodness, and theatres, and um, uh, shopping centres, and that really broadened very much my understanding of chaplaincy, but I'm in a particular place in the context of hospital, and God is there before us, and it's wonderful to see what God is doing, and atmospheres shifting, Atmosphere, even among the staff. And we have a very high percentage of Muslim staff in the uh, hospital, and we share the chapel space with the Muslims. They come for prayer every day at a quarter past one, and then we know not to be there or interrupt them or whatever. We have a lovely partnership with our Muslim friends, and that is what I love as well. So, uh, Keith, that probably didn't answer your question, but I'd never answered your questions and the assignments anyway, you know, so like, you know, uh, because um, he hasn't mentioned the assignments. <laughs> oh, oh, I love Wendy, unashamedly. It's just beautiful. That is just about being visible and available. And I was remembering one of your sisters. The one, one liner went, honestly, one liner is amazing. It was all talking about you know, how do we impact people. And I remember, you'll remember it, Wendy. It's talking about loving people. Wendy says, love always leaves a mark. What a beautiful phrase that is, isn't it? Love, and it's not the heat of argument, but it's the light of the gospel. That changes lives, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. So I'm nearly through on this. I'm going to be around and hanging around for a sort of an hour afterwards. But it's, um, that's the invitation. And we just want a movement that's going to be the answer. The course isn't the answer to create a movement. This, already this course with a movement behind it is, is, is starting rolling out in Australia. We're really excited about that. It's just great. It's just so exciting to see people, as, as Wendy says, not just in the prisons and hospitals and beautiful places and the armed forces and things, the traditional places, regulated places, but in addiction centres. We've got one guy who teaches on the course and now half of, my, half of my tutors are former students because it's all about them putting back in and saying to people, look, you can do this. You can do this. That's how we do it. That's how discipleship works. And I've got one guy, Nigel. He teaches. He was a student one in the first cohort, A. We're now up to M. There you go. And um, <coughs> he runs a team of 90 volunteer chaplains as a trauma response unit for things. So he sent chaplains to Grenfell Tower, to Manchester Arena bombings, to when Her Majesty died, he sent chaplains to the different palaces just to mingle with the crowds and to, as people poured out their own grief as it reminded them of their loss through the loss of Her Majesty. It triggered a lot of things in people about their own losses. The chaplains were there that we were training to say, look, and they felt they had a toolkit. And it wasn't about our toolkit, it was about the Holy Spirit himself bringing to mind some of the things, even if it was one thing that they could just make a difference. It's anointed. I can't believe it, to be honest. But God is that good, isn't he? And so that's the invitation. I won't go through all the detail of the course. It's all online. So hey, no matter where you live, 30 weeks online with 10 or 12 other people. And you might say, hey, look, I've just started this journey. I'm, 
I'm a chaplain to the people at the school gates. I'm a chaplain in, or I run a project in the church, or I'm actually a chaplain. I'm a volunteer at a hospital or wherever. And all the, when you go around and they all share their homework, you get a bit of homework every week. Don't let that word frighten you. But, you know, you're just sharing your experiences of learning in your placement. The, the learning is not from me. Goodness me, no. It's from all the other chaplains and all the other servant-hearted people on the course who love Jesus. And so you can either do it online every week, two hours a week, daytime or evening. Or you might say, look, I'm too busy. I'm on shifts. You could do a self-paced version where you get a support tutor who's normally one of the, tut- the live tutors as well. And that's kind of pretty much how it is. You do need a placement. You need some sort of project where you can, where you can chaplain and use the tools that we give you. You can't be a general without an army, basically. But it doesn't matter how small that... We have some people... We had an online chaplain. We had someone who had a digital following of 3,000 people watching their, watching their videos and YouTubes. See, the new marketplaces are digital. We need, we need chaplains in the new Areopagus of Acts 17, which might be social media. Maybe you're a social media chaplain. That's okay. We can equip you to do that better. So yeah, and then the self-paced is very, very similar, but it's at your own pace within a certain time rather than every week. So I'll just leave that up there if you want to take a pick. Could you go back one, please? Oh, yes, of course I can, yeah. No worries, yes, of course you can. And the key thing for me is I'm just so excited at what the Lord is doing. He's creating a movement of people. And so my invitation is, if the Lord's nudging you and he's saying, go down to the road that leads to Gaza and you don't know what the next step is, just currency, obedience. You are so useful to the kingdom of God, (laughs) without a doubt. And it doesn't matter how old. I think our oldest um, student is about 76. The youngest is about 22. So the young man start. He's uh, an assistant chaplain at Bedford University. Um, he's about 22, 23 years old. And uh, we've got sports club. We've got an ex-professional golfer who's now a chaplain within his old golf club. All sorts of people. Golf, sports chaplains. Everything you can think of. And the word chaplain. And the thing is, at the end of it, if you want to be a bit more formal and you want that bit of plastic, you can be ordained at the end of the course as well, by the way. We can put you through to that. If that means something to the people that you... Sometimes it does. It's a bit like Paul's Roman citizenship. It just sometimes opens doors. If you want to be a reverend, fine. Just talk to us about that. Stunned silence, I think. I'll just move on. So, yeah. There you are. That's what it leads to. Maybe it's not, it might not be you today because you're already serving in some capacity and you're satisfied that you're in the place God wants you to be. But actually, it may be for even someone else that you're thinking about. So, yeah, please feel free to email me directly. If you've got any questions, I'll be hanging around for an hour or so. But please do, feel free to. It's been, I say you've been amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, you stayed awake after the dinner slot as well. That's really hard, isn't it? After, I don't think I've got anything else to say. So, Folks, folks we have a... We have about seven or, or eight minutes before we, we have that wee break into the, the last session. Has anyone any questions for, for Keith as we uh, ponder some of those? Yes. Just, uh, just um, do the courses run at particular times or can you jump on one at any time? Right, okay, so that question was do the courses run at any time? So we, on the live ones, which is two hours a week where it's live, we, we have intakes in September, January and April. So the next one starts at the end of January, and then after that it's the beginning of April. And so, and it runs for 30 weeks, and you get school holidays off, whatever, and uh, yeah, so that's it. Is there a cost? Yeah, there is. Um, courses are expensive. You do a degree, it's probably six, £7,000 a year. This one, it's, its core level is two k £2,000, but we do have, for those who are in a certain situations, we do have a bursary scheme as well. Um, I think as a college we are generous, um, but... If cost is the only reason you don't do it, then you should still apply. Because we don't want cost to be the only reason you can't do this course. That's not right. Because we serve a generous God. Yes? Just, so the course itself, it's, a, it's one year with an option then to do it and then an option for a third to get ordained? Okay, so, yeah, so the, the course itself is one year. And the, we've now just devised a second year because for, for, of the demand. 
and um, so this, there'll be a second year option. Option. So you could just do the first year. You can be ordained after doing the first year, but what that involves is a second full year of placement. So you have to have a placement while you're doing the course for the first year. And then if you said, I'd like to be a Waverley Abbey chaplain, I'd like to actually be ordained as well, you'd then keep in your placement. You wouldn't have to do any more study, because it's really quite you know, robust. You just keep in your placement for a further year, so, and then you could be ordained. That's a two-year process. But we are introducing a second study year so that you get a graduate diploma in chaplaincy for those who want to do that. Not everyone wants that, by the way. So the first year itself is for everybody who just wants to be God's presence. So is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. Placements. Um, a lot of people come to us with already involved in something. They say, I'm involved in a, a, a food bank or we're involved in a project. And we often say it's easier to steer a ship when it's moving. So it's about being obedient now. They join us and they've got an idea and we think, what are the sort of groups of people that, that you really have got a passion for? So for example, we've got some people who've got a massive passion for the elderly and so there's an organisation called the Anna Chaplaincy, who deal with the elderly, for example. Um, there's a lot more chaplains going into primary schools as well. Now, it used to be secondary schools, just used to be secondary faith schools, but it was primary school chaplains and things. So it depends where your heartbeat is. It might be with, with, with guys, it might be a local football club or a sports club or a running club like, like I, I had a heart for. So... It's really, you talk to us, and if you can't find any local contacts, we've got national contacts and we've got various contacts where we can talk to them and say, you know, um, we've got a student. Um, some of them take longer for vetting, so you'd have to really make sure that you plan quite well, if it's prisons, for example, or the police, because there's quite a big vetting process, understandably. But, I mean, a lot of them, it's quite a quick process, really. Three or four minutes, we're doing all right. It's a miracle me finish early. You've got to know me, I tell you. Any others? What about those who are already in, say, doing the work of chaplaincy? What benefit do you think is a, a course like that? If you feel you're already in ministry and you're doing the work of it, what benefit is there? Yeah, so, so what, what is the benefit if you're already a minister or a pastor or you know, doing something where you think? I would say this is about tooling up really. This is almost like a continuous professional development. So it's about investing, continuous investment in ourselves. So every day is a school day. So I, I, I'm a bit of a lifelong learner. I, I don't know everything. That will be a surprise to you. So I love learning. And so it's a case of, you know, it's about tooling up. What's, and, and life is changing all the time. So it's really important. So even if you're an ordained minister and you've got a BA, we have a lot of people come on to us with a BA and an MA in theology and they're doing things, but they want to get the tools. They somehow feel that that's not connecting with where they are. This is a real practical look. Get on with it. You've got to get under the bonnet. And every week you come back and say how that worked, which is where the challenge is. It's really good. Yeah, that's okay. There we go. One and a half minutes, God. What are you going to do one and a half minutes? You could stand up and turn around or something. But you've been amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll be around. Come and talk to me if you'd like to. Okay? Brilliant. Thanks very much, Keith. Uh, very informative. Can we just uh, hold out our hand and we'll just pray for, for Keith. Is that okay? Yeah. God, we just uh, thank you for Keith. And God, we thank you for you how you have been on his journey. God, how you've led him. And God, we thank you that he has been obedient. He has been obedient. And God, we thank you for ears that hear. And God, I just pray for, for him, God, even as, the, as he works out all this stuff in, in Waverley, God, we just pray um, a real overflow. We pray... We just pray, God, that there would be serious, uh, even damage done, God, in the enemy's camp, God, for, for people who are just being obedient. So, Lord, we, we just thank you, and we just pray, God, that even out of this room, God, there would be a real hunger for people, as Wendy reminded us, just to love people. And, God, what, what damage love can do. And, God, we're, we, we, we get excited about what love can do. But God, I pray that we could all do with a wee bit more of that. Just loving people better and well. And God, I pray that that would be all our hearts cry, God, that we would love people the way that Jesus loved people. 
And God, we just pray that that would be that would be it. That we would just be more like Jesus in every environment that we would find ourselves in. So God, again, we thank you for Keith. We just yeah, we, we just uh, pray a real blessing over the ministry over there at Waverly. And God, we just uh, we give you the glory and we give you the honor which you deserve. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you, everyone.